Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just... Mysterious. Hi folks, this is Terry from Texas again with another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments, Part 2 of The Zodiac Killer. If you'll remember in the first part, I introduced you to The Zodiac Killer, introduced you to his crimes, told you a little bit about the investigations that were going on. We're going to continue tonight at the point where we have a suspected victim of The Zodiac, but not exactly sure. On the night of March 22, 1970, Kathleen Johns was driving from San Bernardino to Petaluma to visit her mother. She was seven months pregnant at the time and had her 10-month-old daughter beside her. While heading west on Highway 132 near Modesto, a car behind her began honking its horn and flashing its headlights. She pulled off the road and stopped. The man in the car parked behind her approached her car and stated that 
he observed her right rear wheel was wobbling and offered to tighten the lug nuts. After finishing his work, the man drove off, yet when Johns pulled forward to re-enter the highway, the wheel almost immediately came off the car. The man returned and offered to drive her to the nearest gas station for help. She and her daughter climbed into his car. During the ride, the car passed several service stations, but the man did not stop. For about 90 minutes, he drove back and forth around the back roads near Tracy. When Johns asked why he was not stopping, he would change the subject. When the driver finally stopped at an intersection, Johns jumped out with her daughter and hid in a field. The driver searched for her using his flashlight, telling her that he would not hurt her, before eventually giving up. Unable to find her, he got back in the car and drove off, and Johns hitched a ride to the police station in Patterson. When Johns gave her statement to the sergeant on duty, she noticed the police composite sketch of Paul Stein's killer and recognized him as the man who had abducted her and her child. Fearing he might come back and kill them all, the sergeant had Johns wait in the dark at the nearby Mills restaurant. When her car was found, it had been gutted and torched. Most accounts say he threatened to kill her and her daughter while driving them around, but at least one police report disputes that. John's account to Paul Avery of the Chronicle indicates her abductor left his car and searched for her in the dark with a flashlight. However, in one report she made to the police, she stated he did not leave the vehicle. Zodiac continued to communicate with authorities for the remainder of 1970 via letters and greeting cards to the press. In a letter postmarked April 20, 1970, the Zodiac wrote, My name is, followed by a 13-character cipher. The Zodiac went on to state that he was not responsible for the recent bombing of a police station in San Francisco, referring to the February 18, 1970 death of Sergeant Brian McDonald two days after the bombing at Park Station in Golden Gate Park, but added, There is more glory to killing a cop than a kid because a cop can shoot back. The letter included a diagram of a bomb the Zodiac claimed he would use to blow up a school bus. At the bottom of the diagram, he wrote, The Zodiac symbol equals 10. SFPD equals 0. Zodiac sent a greeting card postmarked April 28, 1970 to the Chronicle. Written on the card was, I hope you enjoy yourselves when I have my blast followed by the Zodiac's cross-circle signature. On the back of the card, the Zodiac threatened to abuse the bus bomb soon, unless the newspaper published the full details he wrote. He also wanted to start seeing people wear some nice Zodiac buttons. In a letter postmarked on June 26, 1970, the Zodiac stated he was upset that he did not see people wearing the Zodiac buttons. Now, by these buttons, he means like the political buttons people wear. You know, I like Ike or whatever is on them. But he wanted to see buttons with the Zodiac symbol or the Zodiac name. He wrote, I shot a man sitting in a parked car with the 38. The Zodiac was possibly referring to the murder of Sergeant Richard Radetich a week earlier on June 19th. At 5.20 a.m., Radetich was writing a parking ticket in his squad car when an assailant shot him in the head with a 38 caliber pistol. 
Radicich died 15 hours later. The SFPD denies the Zodiac was involved in this murder, but it remains unsolved. Included with the letter was a Phillips 66 roadmap of the San Francisco Bay Area. On the image of Mount Diablo, the Zodiac had drawn a cross-circle symbol similar to the ones he had included in the previous correspondence. At the top of the cross-circle, he placed a zero, and then a three, and then a six, and then a nine. The accompanying instructions stated that the zero was to be set to magnetic north. The letter also included a 32-letter cipher that the killer claimed would, in conjunction with the code, lead to the location of a bomb he had buried and set to go off in the fall. The cipher was never decoded and the alleged bomb was never located. The killer signed the note with the zodiac symbol 12 SFPD 0. In a letter to the Chronicle postmarked July 24, 1970, the zodiac took credit for Kathleen John's abduction four months after the incident. In a July 26, 1970 letter, Zodiac paraphrased a song from the Mikado, adding his own lyrics about making a little list of the ways he planned to torture his slaves in paradise. The letter was signed with a large, exaggerated cross-circle symbol and a new score, Zodiac symbol 13, SFPD 0. A final note at the bottom of the letter stated, P.S. The Mount Diablo Code concerns radians plus hashtag inches along the radians. In 1981, a close examination of the radian hint by Zodiac researcher Gareth Penn led to the discovery that a radian angle, when placed over the map per Zodiac's instructions, pointed to the locations of two Zodiac attacks. On October 7, 1970, the Chronicle received a 3 by 5 inch card signed by the Zodiac with the symbol and a small cross reportedly drawn with blood. The card's message was formed by pasting words and letters from an edition of the Chronicle and 13 holes were punched across the card. Inspectors Armstrong and Toshi agreed that it was highly probable the card came from the Zodiac. On October 27, 1970, Chronicle reporter Paul Avery, who had been covering the Zodiac case, received a Halloween card signed with the letter Z and the Zodiac's cross-circle symbol. Handwritten on the card was the note, Peekaboo, you are doomed. The threat was taken seriously and received a front-page story on the Chronicle. Soon after receiving this letter, Avery received an anonymous letter alerting him to the similarities between the Zodiac's activities and the unsolved murder of Sherry Jo Bates, which had occurred four years earlier at the City College in Riverside in the greater Los Angeles area, more than 400 miles south of San Francisco. He reported his findings in the Chronicle on November 16, 1970. On October 30, 1966, 18-year-old Sherry Jo Bates, a student at Riverside Community College, spent the evening at the campus library annex until it closed at 9. Neighbors reported hearing a scream around 10.30 p.m. Bates was found dead the next morning, a short distance from the library, between two abandoned houses slated to be demolished for campus renovations. The wires in her Volkswagen's distributor cap had been pulled out. She was brutally beaten and stabbed to death. 
a man's Timex watch with a torn wristband, was found nearby. The watch had stopped at 1224, but police believe the attack occurred much earlier. A month later, on November 29, 1966, nearly identical typewritten letters were mailed to the Riverside Police and the Riverside Press Enterprise, titled, The Confession. The author claimed responsibility for the Bates murder, providing details of the crime that were not released to the public. The author warned that Bates is not the first and she will not be the last, in quotes. In December 1966, a poem was discovered carved into the bottom side of a desktop in the Riverside City College Library titled, Sick of Living, Unwilling to Die. The poem's language and handwriting resembled that of the Zodiac's letters. It was signed with what were assumed to be the initials R.H. During the 1970 investigation, Sherwood Morrill, California's top question documents examiner, expressed his opinion that the poem was written by the Zodiac. On April 30, 1967, exactly six months after the Bates murder, Bates' father Joseph, the Press Enterprise, and the Riverside Police all received nearly identical letters. In a handwritten scrawl, the Press Enterprise and police copies read, Bates had to die, there will be more, with a small scribble at the bottom that resembled the letter Z. Joseph Bates' copy read, She had to die, there will be more, this time without the Z signature. On March 13, 1971, five months after Avery's article linking the Zodiac to the Riverside murder, the Zodiac mailed a letter to the Los Angeles Times. In the letter, he credited the police, instead of Avery, for discovering his Riverside activity. But they are only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more down there. The connection between Sheriff Joe Bates, Riverside, and the Zodiac remains uncertain. Paul Avery and the Riverside Police Department maintained that the Bates homicide was not committed by the Zodiac, but did concede some of the Bates letters may have been his work to claim credit falsely. On March 22, 1971, a postcard to the Chronicle addressed to Paul Averly, misspelled, and believed to be from the Zodiac, appeared to claim responsibility for the disappearance of Donna Lass on September 6, 1970. Made from a collage of advertisements and magazine lettering, it featured a scene from an advertisement for Forest Pines condominiums and the text Sierra Club, Sought Victim 12, Peaked Through the Pines, Past Lake Tahoe Areas, and Around in the Snow. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, Adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Zodiac's cross circle symbol was in both the place of the usual return address and the lower right section of the front face of the postcard. Donna Lass was a nurse at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. She worked until about 2 a.m. on September 6, 1970, treating her last patient at 1.40 a.m. Later that same day, both Lass's employer and her landlord received phone calls from an unknown male falsely claiming Lass had left town due to a family emergency. Lass was never found. What appeared to be a gravesite was discovered near the Clare Tappan Lodge in Norden, California, on Sierra Club property. But an excavation yielded only a pair of sunglasses. No evidence has been uncovered to connect the last disappearance with the Zodiac Killer definitely. In a Vallejo Times-Herald story appearing on November 13, 1972, Bill Baker of the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office postulated that the murders of a young couple in northern Santa Barbara County might have been the work of the Zodiac. On June 4, 1963, high school seniors Robert Domingos and fiance Linda Edwards were shot dead on a beach near Lompoc, having skipped school that day for Senior Ditch Day. Police believe that the assailant attempted to bind the victims, but when they freed themselves and attempted to flee, the killer shot them repeatedly in the back and chest with a 22 caliber weapon. The killer then placed their bodies in a small shack and tried unsuccessfully to burn the structure to the ground. After the Pines card, the Zodiac remained silent for nearly three years. The Chronicle then received a letter from the Zodiac, postmarked January 29, 1974, praising the Exorcist as, quote, the best satirical comedy I have ever seen, unquote. Sounds like Beetlejuice's response to it. The letter included a snippet of verse from the Mikado, and an unusual symbol at the bottom that has remained unexplained by researchers. Zodiac concluded the letter with a new score, Me, 37, SFPD, 0. A further communication sent by the public to members of the news media, some contain similar characteristics of previous Zodiac writings. The Chronicle received a letter postmarked February 14, 1974, informing the editor that the initials for the Symbionese Liberation Army spelled out an old Norse word meaning kill. However, the handwriting was not authenticated as Zodiacs. A letter to the Chronicle, postmarked May 8, 1974, features a complaint that the movie Badlands was murder glorification and asked the paper to cut its advertisements. Signed only a citizen, the handwriting, tone, and surface irony 
were all similar to earlier Zodiac communications. The Chronicle subsequently received an anonymous letter postmarked July 8, 1974, complaining of their publishing the writings of the anti-feminist columnist Marco Spinelli. The letter was signed, The Red Phantom, Red with Rage. The Zodiac's authorship of this letter is debated. A letter dated April 24, 1978 was initially deemed authentic, but was declared a hoax less than three months later by three experts. Dave Toshi, the SFPD homicide detective who had worked the case since the Stein murder, was thought to have forged the letter because author Armistead Mopin had believed the letter to be similar to fan mail he received in 1976, which he believed was authored by Toshi. While he admitted to writing the fan mail, Toshi denied forging the Zodiac letter and was eventually cleared of any charges. The authenticity of this letter remains unverified. On March 3, 2007, an American Greetings Christmas card was sent to the Chronicle, postmarked 1990, in Eureka, and had recently been discovered in their photo files by editorial assistant Daniel King. Inside the envelope, with the card, was a photocopy of two U.S. postal keys on a magnet keychain. The handwriting on the envelope resembles Zodiac's print, but was declared inauthentic by forensic document examiner Lloyd Cunningham. Not all Zodiac experts agree with Cunningham's analysis, however. There is no return address on the envelope, nor is his cross-circle signature to be found. The card itself is unmarked. The Chronicle turned over all the material to the Vallejo Police Department for further analysis. In April 2004, San Francisco Police Department marked the case inactive, citing caseload pressure and resource demands, effectively closing the case. However, they reopened their case sometime before March of 2007. The case is open in Napa County and in the city of Riverside. In May 2018, the Vallejo Police Department announced their intention to attempt to collect the Zodiac Killer's DNA from the back of stamps he used during his correspondence. The analysis, by a private laboratory, is expected to utilize an advanced new technique that is able to separate DNA from the glue present on the back of stamps. It is hoped the Zodiac Killer may be caught in a similar fashion to the Golden State Killer. There are many theories on who the Zodiac may be, and there were many suspects questioned in, in these killings. Arthur Lee Allen was one. Author Robert Graysmith's book, Zodiac, advanced Arthur Lee Allen as a potential suspect based on circumstantial evidence. Allen had been interviewed by police from the early days of the Zodiac investigations and was the subject of several search warrants over a 20-year period. In 2007, Graysmith noted that several police detectives described Allen as the most likely suspect. However, in 2010, Toshi stated that all the evidence against Allen ultimately turned out to be negative. On October 6, 1969, Allen was interviewed by Detective John Lynch of the Vallejo Police Department. 
Allen had been reported in the vicinity of the Lake Berryessa attack against Hartnell and Shepard on September 27, 1969. He described himself as scuba diving at Salt Point on the day of the attacks. Allen again came to police attention in 1971 when his friend Donald Shaney reported to police in Manhattan Beach, California that Allen had spoken of his desire to kill people using the name Zodiac and secure a flashlight to a firearm for visibility at night. According to Cheney, this conversation occurred no later than January 1, 1969. Jack Mullinax of the Vallejo Police Department subsequently wrote Allen had received an other than honorable discharge from the U.S. Navy in 1958 and had been fired from his job as an elementary school teacher in March of 1968 after allegations of sexual misconduct with students. He was generally well regarded by those who knew him, but he was also described as fixated on young children and angry at women. He apparently never had a girlfriend or wife. In September of 1972, San Francisco Police Department obtained a search warrant for Allen's residence. In 1974, Allen was arrested for committing lewd sex acts upon a 12-year-old boy. He pleaded guilty and served two years imprisonment. Vallejo police served another search warrant at Allen's residence in February of 1991. Two days after Allen's death in 92, Vallejo police served another warrant and seized property from Allen's residence. Other evidence existed against Allen. A letter sent to the Riverside Police Department from Bates' killer was typed with a royal typewriter with an elite type, the same brand found during the February 91 search of Allen's residence. He owned and wore a Zodiac brand wrist watch. In 2002, SFPD developed a partial DNA profile from the saliva on stamps and envelopes of Zodiac's letters. SFPD compared this partial DNA to the DNA of Arthur Lee Allen. A DNA comparison was also made with the DNA of Don Chaney, who was Allen's former close friend and the first person to suggest Allen may be the Zodiac killer. Since neither test result indicated a match, Allen and Chaney were excluded as the contributors of the DNA, though it cannot be stated definitively that it is DNA from the Zodiac on the envelopes. However, as of March 2018, it was announced that the 2002 DNA sample was collected from outside the stamp rather than behind it, or from the envelope seal, meaning Allen could still be a suspect. Retired police handwriting expert Lloyd Cunningham, who worked the Zodiac case for decades, added, They gave me banana boxes full of Allen's writing and none of his writing even came close to the Zodiac. Nor did DNA extracted from the envelopes on the letters come close to Arthur Lee Allen. While police often use document examiners during investigations, court rulings on the scientific validity of handwriting analysis have been mixed to negative. In 2007, a man named Dennis Kaufman claimed that his stepfather, Jack Terrence, was the Zodiac. Kaufman turned several items over to the FBI, including a hood similar to the one worn by the Zodiac. According to news sources, DNA analysis conducted by the FBI on the items was deemed inconclusive in 2010. In 2009, a former lawyer named Robert Tarbox 
said that in the early 1970s, a merchant mariner walked into his office and confessed to him that he was the Zodiac Killer. The seemingly lucid seaman, whose name Tarbox would not reveal due to confidentiality, described his crimes briefly but persuasively enough to convince Tarbox. The man said he was trying to stop himself from his opportunistic murder spree, but never returned to see Tarbox again. Tarbox took out a full-page ad in the Vallejo Times-Herald that he claimed would clear the name of Arthur Lee Allen as a killer, his only reason for revealing the story 30 years later after the fact. Robert Graysmith, the author of several books on Zodiac, said Tarbox's story was entirely plausible. In 2009, an episode of the History Channel television series Mystery Quest looked at newspaper editor Richard Gajkowski. During the time of the murders, Gajkowski worked for Good Times, a San Francisco counterculture newspaper. His appearance resembles the composite sketch in Nancy Slover, the Vallejo police dispatcher who was contacted by the Zodiac shortly after the Blue Rock Springs attack, has identified a recording of Gajkowski's voice as being the same as the Zodiac's. Retired police detective Steve Hodell argues in his book The Black Dahlia Avenger that his father, George Hodell, who lived from 1907 to 1999, was the Black Dahlia killer whose victims included Elizabeth Short. The book led to the release of previously suppressed files and wire recordings by the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office of his father, which showed that he was a prime suspect in Short's murder. District Attorney Stephen Kay subsequently wrote a letter which is published in the revised edition stating that if George Hodell were still alive, he would be prosecuted for the crimes. In a follow-up book, Hodell argued a circumstantial case that his father was also the Zodiac Killer based upon a police sketch. The similarity of the style of the Zodiac letters to the Black Dahlia Avenger letters and question document examination. On February 19, 2011, America's Most Wanted featured a story about the Zodiac. In 2010, a picture surfaced of known Zodiac victim Darlene Farron and a man who closely resembles the composite sketch formed based on eyewitnesses' description of the Zodiac. Police believe the photo was taken in San Francisco in the middle of 66 or 67. Former California Highway Patrol officer Lyndon Lafferty said the Zodiac Killer was a 91-year-old Solano County, California man whom he called by the pseudonym George Russell Tucker. Using a group of retired law enforcement officers called the Mandamus Seven, Lafferty discovered Tucker in a cover-up for why he was not pursued. Tucker died in February 2012 and was not named because he was not considered a suspect by police. In February 2014, it was reported that a man named Louis Joseph Myers had confessed to a friend in 2001 that he was the Zodiac Killer. After learning that he was dying from cirrhosis of the liver, he requested that his friend, Randy Kinney, go to the police upon his death. Myers died in 2002, but Kennedy allegedly had difficulties getting officers to cooperate and take the claim seriously. There are several potential connections between Myers and the Zodiac case. 
Myers attended the same high schools as victims David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. Myers allegedly worked in the same restaurant as victim Darlene Farron. Myers also had access to the same sort of military boot whose print was found at the Lake Berryessa crime scene. Furthermore, during the 1971-1973 period, when no Zodiac letters were received, Myers was stationed overseas with the military. Kenny says that Myers confessed he targeted couples because he had had a bad breakup with a girlfriend. While officers associated with the case are skeptical, they believe the story is credible enough to investigate. I did a little research on my own after researching this story, and I personally came up with some ideas that really wouldn't hold water in a criminal case probably, but they were interesting to me. The Zodiac Killer and Son of Sam David Berkowitz have some similarities in their details, though they may just be coincidental. In both of these cases, there exist even similarities with the Jack the Ripper case in Whitechapel, London, England, in the autumn of 1888. Zodiac sent letters to the newspapers and police in California. David Berkowitz sent letters to the police and other celebrities in New York, and Jack the Ripper sent letters and other things to the police and newspapers and other notables in London. In all cases, there were similarities of misspellings, though there are those who feel these may be red herrings or items meant to mislead police and police profilers. Zodiac at one point identified himself as Sam, and only once. Berkowitz identified himself as Son of Sam, although in his case he told the police he was under the control of a demon who spoke through his neighbor, Sam's, dog, and at no time did it connect with the Zodiac. With the exception that each case included murders of young women, the Zodiac and the Ripper cases bear closer resemblances as both had a plethora of valid suspects who had a wide array of skill sets with which to carry out these horrendous crimes. But the worst similarity of all is that in the 50 years of criminal detection progress since Zodiac and the 130 years since the Ripper case, no one was ever convicted of them. Could there be a spirit creature that goes to and fro upon the face of the earth seeking a weak mind or willing spirit to inhabit and to direct to do these diabolical things to their fellow humans? I think yes. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I want to remind you to listen on Mondays to Aaron Hunter's podcast of Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. On Tuesday, listen to Aaron Frail with Aaron's Horror Show. Wednesday, listen to Terry's Mysterious Moments. And on the first Saturday of the month, we have Buried Secrets Paranormal who present video of different investigations that they do. And they may have some other bits and pieces throughout the month. Again, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye-bye.